Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversations. This is Patty Corkery. Thank you so much for joining me. I have another fun episode for you to check out. I was really happy to have a chance to sit down and talk to the president and CEO of United Bay Community Credit Union, and that, of course, is Diane Abenizio. Um, it was great talking to Diane. Just saying her name makes me hungry because she gets into <laughs> her husband being Italian and all the amazing food he makes, and I just love her name. Um, but apart from that, it was great to get to know Diane better. Uh, she's been back in Michigan and working as a CEO for almost five years now. As you'll learn, she's moved around the country and lived in some fun places, um, trying out um, different spots um, to meet with family, to reconnect, to go to college, to work at the Golden Nugget Casino in Vegas. <laughs> um, all very interesting. I loved getting to know her better. Um, she's certainly somebody who knows her numbers at being a CPA and having all of that great finance background. Um, you know, it was really good to hear the lessons of just in her own leadership style, just being ready to pivot and navigate changes as they come, which she obviously had a lot of those navigating the credit union through COVID um, and, and all of those other challenges. And, you know, she reflects a bit on being a smaller credit union, you know, at 280 million in assets, United Bay um, has, has its work cut out for them. And she flushes that out a little bit, just some of the challenges that um, impact some of our credit unions. And of course, that led her to talking about all of the great collaboration that can happen um, with QSOs and things of that nature. So if you're not familiar with United Bay. They are in Bay City. Uh, they have six branches. And as I just mentioned, they're around 280 million in assets and they have over 18,000 members. So please enjoy my conversation with Diane and getting to know her better. And, and thanks again for being here and checking it out. Well, hey, Diane, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Thank you, Patty. It's an honor to be part of such a stellar group of individuals. <laughs> well, that's a compliment. It's it's so fun for me to to talk to some of our Michigan credit union folks around the state, and um, you know, some of the people I have on, I've known for years. What I think is fun is when I have somebody like yourself on, where you and I have really just started to connect over the last maybe six months and getting to know each other a little bit better. It's kind of fun for me because I really get to learn things about you during this conversation that I didn't know. So I'm excited to dig in. <laughs> I look forward to it. Yeah, awesome. Well, Diane, as I um, as you might know from listening to some episodes, I love it when we get a guest on and just start to talk about your story. So I'm just going to ask you, Diane, um, to share your story, your journey with us. Okay. Um, well, I was born in Illinois, raised in Southeast Michigan, and I've lived in several states as a result of uh, my family split up early on. My grandma raised me when she passed away. I took the advantage and moved to Florida um, to live near my father and that side of the family and went to the University of South Florida and got my bachelor's degree there, which was much easier than getting it in Michigan because going to class in February was always a joy. Yeah. Um, yeah. After graduating, I sat for the CPA exam. I was honored with passing it on the first try, which really made a difference in my life. And prior to that, I'd been to Colorado that previous Christmas and decided that's where I wanted to continue my life. Obviously, that's not where I stayed. 
I had another opportunity. My my maternal family was in Las Vegas, so I took the opportunity to move out to Las Vegas after just a couple of years in Colorado. That's where I got into the credit union world, believe it or not. Um, the casino industry is a is a hard industry to be in. It's it's cutthroat pretty much, and having the opportunity to get back into what I enjoyed, which was nonprofit work, which in our case, it's not for profit. Getting back into that industry where people mattered first, profit second, was an important aspect of who I wanted to be and the direction I wanted to take. And surely I spent six years there in the credit union and then I reconnected with my now husband who I had originally met a long time ago, I'll say the year, it kind of dates me, but 1986. And um, him and I reconnected and I moved back to Michigan with an opportunity to work in the credit union industry. So um, when I was looking for work, the first place I checked was the league's website. Nice. So I had always heard good things about the Michigan Credit Union League when I got into the industry out west. So I really knew it was part of what I wanted to do. And the rest is history, as they say. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you got to fill in some gaps for me. So, well, how were you ever? Or were you ever in Michigan? And you, it sounds like you came back, but were you here before when you came back relatively recently? Is that your first time yes. back in Michigan? Okay. I, I grew up. I grew up. My paternal grandma was the person who raised me, and so she lived in Michigan. I was a baby. I moved in Michigan from. In 10 months to 28 years old. Oh, I see. Okay. Cause I, I know I got the born in Illinois part, but I didn't catch the 10 yep. months. Okay. So nice. So where did you move around Michigan quite a bit or when you were younger, did, where'd you grow up? I grew up, I grew up in Westland and right. the farthest I got away from Westland when I was living in Michigan was Farmington Hills. Yeah. I lived in Dearborn Heights, Farmington Hills and Westland really until I left the state. Nice. Now, did you leave Michigan for a job or was it college? Because I know you said you went to South Florida for college. Um, I left Michigan because of the passing of my grandma. Okay. And I, I wanted to get back in school. I had taken a different path. I started out with the family um, aspect. And um, after my first divorce, I moved down to Florida. So my right. parents were down there. I was going to get, you know, support from family that, you know, the only family I had in Michigan and pretty much was gone. And okay. it gave me an opportunity to get to know that part of my family a little bit better by living in the area full time. And I went to school at the University of South Florida. So, which right. was a wonderful experience in itself. So. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So when you were in Vegas, like what type of work did you do for the casino? I was the assistant controller at the Golden Nugget. Okay. Which my sister worked there as well as the CFO. And my mother was actually there in the accounts payable department. Um, my mother had went to Vegas after her and my father split. And so she had spent her lifetime out there uh, at the Stardust was her first employment out there. And so it, it was kind of in the blood, I guess, you know, yeah. from that side of the family, it was the numbers. Uh, very much numbers people, and and I was offered that opportunity by my sister, uh, 
to move out there rather than just come visit. And I took her up on it. Nice. So that's like an old Vegas. I'm not too, fr- I mean, I know everyone's heard of the Golden Nugget, Stardust. I mean, I just don't venture down to that area that much, but um, did you like, you know, working in that community and that space? I know you left for uh, the credit union world, but was yeah. it fun or was it kind of like just in some office somewhere? You didn't really experience the whole vibe? Um the offices of casinos tend not to be as elegant as the casinos themselves. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, but the environment, the energy, um, the lights, the sunshine, you know, all of those aspects of Las Vegas were very energizing for me. Yeah. And being able to being able to to see what the other side of my family was all about. Um, that was really a quite a connecting opportunity for me. I I kind of figured out where I came from yeah. um, between living with my father in Florida and then, and then living with my mother out in Vegas. Yeah. So Very it, cool. was, it was a neat experience. Well, your parents were smart. They both picked warm places to go. <laughs> so, very cool. Um, so what credit union, how, what was your first credit union job? Um, it, I was the VP of accounting. So, you know, I, I've always been in accounting, I, I fell in love with it when I was in high school. So um, it was a career path that I was almost destined to have. And so I had an opportunity to, to get out of the casinos where I was also in accounting and move into a credit union. And that path and that understanding was just so rewarding to me. I got to take all of the experiences I had had in all the years prior in public accounting small business accounting as a property manager. I mean, all of those things, I got to circle them all up and, and apply them to um, the perspective of a, of a credit union. Nice. Very cool. So was United Bay where you are now, Is was that the credit union you came back to Michigan for, or is that where you kind of put your flag? No, that was actually the second credit union um, in Michigan. I was previously with North Central Area Credit Union in Houghton Lake, which is how I ended up living in Houghton Lake. My my now husband wanted to move further north, and I didn't want dirty snow. Yeah. <laughs> if I was going to tolerate it, I wanted clean snow. So, so you live in Houghton Lake, and then the credit union's in Bay City. Correct. Okay. So was it, is United Bay, was is that your first time as a credit union CEO? Yes, it is. Nice. I, I started, yeah, I started in 2014 as the CFO here, here being United Bay as well. Um, there was a lot of, a lot of things going on. There was a lot of upheaval. There was a lot of uncertainty. There was a lot of um, problems that needed correction. And I saw it as a, I saw it as the challenge I needed to have in my career. Um, and so I, I jumped at the opportunity. I was contacted on LinkedIn because I had the same area code as United Bay. I got so it. It's just that simple. Right. So, um, yeah, I spent the first five, less than five years because ironically I had a, um, when I was at the interview process, I was asked where I saw myself in five years, you know, that standard question. Sure. And I said, I either see myself as a CFO of a growing organization or I see myself as CEO. Yeah. And it was four years and nine months when I became CEO. 
Okay, nice. So you've been so, serving in that capacity for that amount of time now. Yes, since okay. January of 2019. Okay. Um, gosh, man, that's that's so cool. So that's, and they found you for that on LinkedIn. Uh -huh. Wow, great. Um, so what do you like? I know you talked a bit about the credit union industry and and why you know you wanted to transition away from you know your accounting work at, at the casino to get into the credit union space, which is great. Um, what do you like about being a CEO? Everything that job that has no description, right? Um, it's that constant, it's that constant uncertainty of what the day will bring, that excitement, that energy, um, you know, the desire to work with people and help people and, and, and be strategic and develop a direction and be able to give that to so many other people. Yeah. You don't quite get that in the second seat. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so how, you know, coming in now that you've been, you know, leading the credit union for over four years now, how would you describe yourself as a leader? Um, very much a, a walk the talk kind of person, willing to jump in and get my hands dirty with everybody else. Uh, I consider everyone a coworker. I don't, I, I don't, participate so much in the hierarchy. I, mean, I realize yeah. the buck stops with me, but I also like being part of everyone else's journey and being able to being able to be that person that can give someone else the gift of such a fabulous career. Credit unions have so much to offer. You know, my, my biggest regret is I didn't find it sooner. Yeah. Um, but my greatest joy is making sure that the that the individuals that we have that are working for us and others in the industry have that opportunity to understand the value and grow in it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you got how many employees do you have? 82. Wow. Okay. What are some of the, you know, that's the highlights and the, and the fun part for you as a CEO, what are, what are you finding some of the challenges? I know, obviously you've led the credit union through COVID. Um, that's not something you foresaw. And, and we know that that was tough for everybody to get through that, but now hopefully we've turned a corner and there's some other changes that we're dealing with, with inflation and staffing and all of those other issues. But um, what, what are some of the challenges that you're, you're facing either as a leader or, you know, just navigating the credit union right now? The most challenging piece is understanding that the path is not straight. Yeah. You know, the goals are set, they're out there, but to achieve them, I have, we have to be willing to pivot. Yeah. COVID was a perfect example. Um, this, the, you know, what's coming up in 2023 is, is, has the same level of uncertainty, except in some regards, we actually have a, we have a peek behind the curtain, you know, and some of these things we've seen before, but we also recognize that the pandemic taught us that what we thought was going to happen probably was not going to be what happened. So it's, it's understanding when to divert from the course and then bring yourself back to it. And I, I often think of a Jeep commercial where the camera's following the Jeep and all of a sudden the Jeep goes off the road and it's bouncing around off the road and the, the camera car continues to go straight and the Jeep bounces back on and, and they're back on path again. But um, being, able to, being able to 
guide others through those those challenges as well. And, and getting staff all involved in understanding that um, every day could be just a little bit different. Every day could, could have its own nuances. And, and we're all going to get to the to the through the path on a um, on a trajectory that is not what we predicted it's to right now. Right. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And it's uh, as long as you have a board that understands that too, that's I'm sure is helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very blessed with um, a very understanding board, uh, very open-minded and willing to willing to accept or or embrace the goals that we've set as a senior leadership team and brought forward to them in the strategic process. Um, it's it's an uh, it, you know again it's they're invaluable to the organization because their perspective offers us the opportunity to see what it's like from the outside before it even gets outside. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So what you know coming into this, you know, I always like to talk to you know relatively newish, I guess, leaders. Um, what are some of the ways that you? to continue to develop as a leader or, you know, you were working in accounting and various other capacities and now, you know, having been a CEO coming up on five years, how do you, how do you stay um, on top of, you know, are, are you a leadership book reader? Do you attend conferences on leadership or how do you kind of navigate being a leader and, and learning how to be a good one? Well, years ago, I, I, considered my most important hobby was self-development. Yeah. So for many years now, I've, I've read, um, I listen to a lot of audio books, a lot of introspective thought processes, different ways to assess what's in front of me. Some are leadership-based, some are more at a, at a cognitive level, some are at a spiritual level. So taking that whole world approach um, is probably my greatest resource. I love participating in events specific to credit unions and specific to CEOs. Uh, those are always those are always inspiring to listen to and, and network and have conversation with other CEOs in the industry, coming to realize that we're all experiencing exactly the same problems. Um, we're all uh, reaching the same goals. You know, the, the, the broadening of that perspective is really, really important. Getting locked in the four walls of my office, whether it's remote or in the building, is not going to give me the vision to carry the organization forward. So yeah, for sure. I know um, one of those groups, I'm sure that you rely on just to kind of have check-ins. I had the fun time with you and a few other women CEOs in our industry, you know, kind of in the Midland area gathering together for lunch. And I love those conversations because there's so much sharing, you know, what are you all doing about dress code? What are you all doing about wages and, you know, performance reviews and all of those little tips? I mean, I'm, I'm part of a few different clusters of groups that share ideas. And that's one thing that I just love about our industry is that collaboration. Have you found that joining the credit union movement that there's that collaboration that happens? Yeah, it's a collaboration that 
is not present in any other industry. Yeah. Uh, while we're competitive, we're not restrictive in our ability to share and, and develop independently because even though we're all headed in the same direction, we all provide the same general products and services, we're, we're you, each unique because none of our people are the same. Right, yeah. So having that unique approach to just the skills and abilities within each of our organizations allows us to share information without feeling that um, we're gonna lose something as a result of it. Yeah, absolutely. So looking forward, you know, as, as we navigate as an industry, what are some of the things that are top of mind for you as, as challenges um, in our space? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is the reduction in the number of credit unions um, and the way that the, the way that the market and the landscape is changing to make sure that you can remain sustainable and resilient through those periods, you know, we're a $280 million credit union. And there was right. a time where $280 million was a good size credit union. And that now is becoming the smaller credit union as time has, and, and history has transitioned to the much larger credit unions. So um, remaining sustainable, being resilient, obviously managing liquidity, creating an experience for the employees in the same manner we create an experience for the members, encompassing all of those things so that um, the credit union industry doesn't become another savings and loan almost. Yeah. And, you know, it, when there, if there's only a half dozen of us left across the country, what does that leave for an industry? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, I know it's, uh, you know, one of the things I think is true, and I'm curious if you agree or feel differently and, you know, just hearing from different credit unions, not only in Michigan, but around the country, it seems to me that the issues um, and the challenges, well, maybe the issues are the same, you know, whether you're 280 million or 2.8 billion, you know, it's the same thing. We're wondering what's happening or going to happen with overdraft, with interchange, you know, we have staffing shortages, we, you know, but it's, it's how well-equipped you are to handle those challenges, you know, is, is the difference between a smaller and a larger. Do you agree with that? Or do you feel there's other differences there? I agree, with, I agree with a lot of that. Like I said earlier, it's about being able to pivot when anything yeah. is necessary. Some of it is, some of it's the economies of scale. Um, it's the development of, development and reliance on QSOs yeah. to provide some of the resources that you can't obtain internally. Um, that helps offset some of the employee costs and some of the retention needs. So having those having those QSOs in those support feature functions is very important. Compliance is always a big deal. Um, cybersecurity and IT is another. Those are probably the two toughest areas of the industry to be able to um, find the right support and be able to meet the regulations and requirements of those positions. Yeah. And the smaller you are, the harder that is. Absolutely. And I, I'm glad you brought that up too, as far as QSOs. I think more and more, that's a way that credit unions can, you know, continue to be sustainable 
and and you know how how are we going to compete down the road and and having that collaborative spirit and doing that by investing in a QSO together to have those shared you know experiences and the shared whether it be staffing or IT or resources whatever it might be you know commercial lending and all of those things it's yeah. just so important you know and to live in a bubble and survive you know is is, is impossible right and i think too having those having those resources and support teams available will help the evolution and the creation of new credit unions, new charters. Um, because I really believe it's a, it, it will be an evolution that just as the big banks won't serve the small businesses, credit unions will find themselves having to set parameters on who they have the ability to serve and what meets their strategic direction, which again allows then the upstarts to come back into the industry, you know, the the employer groups or whatever the, the circumstances would be. And the industry has that that opportunity to recreate itself if we have the opportunity to support it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so kind of pivoting a bit, um, what, you know, as you're navigating through with your team and, and seeing some young professionals at your credit union start to, you know, come into their own and develop, you know, one of our biggest audiences for the podcast are our young professionals. It's usually those folks that approach me and say, I listen to every episode. I love hearing from, you know, our leaders um, and learning, you know, how they got to where they are and in their, their bits of wisdom, you know, what, what would you say to an up and coming, you know, person working at a credit union that wants to continue to rise where when they're asked that question, you know, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? They want to be a CEO. Um, what, what sort of advice do you have for those people? Stick with it would yeah. be first and foremost. Um, recognize that you have the ability to grow and develop within the industry as long as you have the ability to speak up or to do what needs to be done before you're asked to do it or do what the position demands before you're given the position. Show your skills. Um, uh, allow your desire to be reflected in the in the work that you do and the, the way you interact with other members of your team and how you put yourself out into the industry as well. You know, community support and attendance at uh, industry events is really important because that's when you start to learn what the positions and what the industry is all about and you can match it up to your own desires. Yeah, for sure. And that's such a great way to network and meet people. And I know you mentioned, you know, you looked at the uh, Michigan Credit Union League for postings and, you know, just you know, interacting with people that know what you're going through, even if they're your peers at this point, you know, it's not like you have to necessarily be interacting with people that hold the job you want, but just really developing those connections, I find is, is not, it's, it's really helped me, you know, and I feel like folks that get out there and connect and network, you know, it just makes such a huge difference. You just never know if you're talking to, you know, your future boss or, or, or they're talking to you, you know, and, and that's <laughs> going to be your role down the road. It's, it's fun. It's, it's a great community we have in Michigan with our young professionals, and I'm glad to see more attention being given to them um, to give them the opportunity to build their contacts. And I think it's a great way to show that, you know, we're invested in them as an industry. You know, you guess you might, you may be able to make more money 
taking another job outside of it, but you know, here's all of the cool things and the stability that we offer. I was reading an article yeah. in the New York Times over the weekend that folks that are coming out of college, that's like top on their list is stability to, to yeah. find a job that is is there for them, you know. Yeah, and that's that's what we have to offer. And you know, the the journey to the top the journey to the top, I guess I can say that now in in, in my position, but it's it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. It's been it's been a joy. The people are happy. Um, not all industries have happy people. So that's that's really important. And and like you were saying, getting out and networking with other people because how do you know what you want unless you have an opportunity to understand what else there is? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. So you've lived in a lot of different states. What, I mean, no one's going to be offended if you don't pick Michigan, but what has been, what place have you enjoyed living the most? Um, I would have to say I'm a mountains person. So yeah. Colorado is, would, would be at the top of my list. Uh, I do like the Southwest. So Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico. I, I really, really love that area, but I have determined and declared that I am now living in my forever home and everything other than this home will be travel. Oh, wow. Well, that's very cool. So, and, you, and you're in, um, what city actually are you in? Technically, I'm in Prudenville, which okay. is um, east of Hood Lake, Okay. Uh, near, near the Lake James association and the, and the lake but um two and a half acres got a pond in the front yard a, mm. a little sauna a sauna pot out back you know a fitness room over the garage it's it, it's its own little resort perfect yeah six foot fire ring you know i can have i can have the kind of campfires i like wow yeah for sure so as we're recording this in early early ish december uh, do you have snow on the ground up there no Oh, good. Which is, we were, Chuck and I were talking about this morning how ironic it is that we don't have snow yet because, and even my flashback pictures are, are snow and ice and the pond is frozen and all of these things. So we don't have any of it yet this year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so when, you know, just to kind of get back a bit to, um, you know, some of the things you were commenting on uh, when I was talking to you about what you do to prepare to to be a leader, to grab those skills um, and kind of thinking more long term at your credit union. How do you make time or find time to be strategic, to set aside that time to really focus into the future? Well, I, I have the drive. Um, ah. So I, I utilize that time. I do have, I do spend a couple of nights in Bay City during the week. So I have that time away from home and away from any of the tasks that are needed to be done. Right. I utilize that um, time for that. And I try and set time aside in my schedule, you know, I, an hour a day, um, even 30 minutes a day, if I can grab that time and, and just stop, stop everything around me and, and think about just one little piece of, strategy or direction or some some headline how does it how is it going to impact us and and just break it up in little pieces 
Yeah, for sure. No, that's that's good. I I know I hear from a lot of people that that have longer commutes that they enjoy the time in the car, and I 100% agree. <laughs> I agree. That's when you can listen to some of those interesting or engaging podcasts or leadership yeah. books, or just to maximize that time. Um, very cool. Um, okay, so now I enjoy asking guests um, some questions to get to know you a bit better, and they're kind of fun and light. Um, so what? is on your nightstand at home, Diane? My Kindle, first and foremost. What um, is it? My Kindle. Your Kindle. Yes, yes. I read um, a, probably a paragraph and a half every night of some novel. Um, nothing leadership, just, you know. For fun. Clearhead, fun reading. Um, that and my pillow spray, my calming pillow spray are the two most important things on my nightstand. Um, <laughs> nice. It's important for me to take that time and, and use it to relax and separate myself. Yeah. Otherwise, my head will constantly think about what's next. Or Absolutely. I used to, and I still love reading right before bed, but I find now it's like I fall asleep so quick. I only get like 10 minutes of reading it and then I'm like <laughs> gone for this world. <laughs> So it takes a while to get through that book for me. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. That's why it, they're not anything that um, requires too much attention. <laughs> um, okay. So Diane, what is something that people get wrong about you? I would say that there's actually two things. Um, one that um, I'm accommodating and number two that I'm indecisive and okay. I, yeah, I think the reason people, the reason that happens is that I may appear to be accommodating because there's not a, there's not a battle that's necessary. There's, there's not, I, I like to view and I like to understand what other people are doing. Um, I'm not all accepting, but I, I have my own convictions and if it's not if it's not embattled to those, then I want people to be who they are as well. So, and then indecisive often comes from the fact that I am patient in the decisions that allow for patients to be part of that process. I, I again like to listen. I like to understand. I realize I have a lot to learn. So I like to take time when that's possible in making the decisions that can impact a lot of people. Um, and I've heard through the, you know, through the grapevine, through the rumor mill, um, that sometimes that people think I've, I'm apprehensive about making decisions, but that's not the case at all. I, I'm willing to make the decisions when the decisions need to be made. And yeah. yeah, I think that's a, that's such a great thing. And I'm guessing a lot of people, um, deal with that one, you know, um, cause sometimes you don't, like you said, you know, sometimes you don't have the time to make those decisions. And if that's the case, then you make them when you have to, but if you have the luxury of time, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, make sure you gather all of the information you need and, you know, make a, a more um, evolved and thoughtful decision. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think it's the, indis you know, the people that, you know, are too quick to pull that trigger, 
you know, a lot of times, you know, they don't go with the right one. So I think that's a, a very good thing for people to get wrong about you. Um, and it's, but it's unfair. You know, it's unfair for them to get that, to think that, to come to that assumption, you know, yeah. to assume that you're indecisive just because you take your time. That's BS. Well, and two, the other aspect of that is, is that sometimes the person holds the decision themselves. Ah, yeah. And I don't necessarily want to give them the answer mm -hmm. because I want them to develop their critical thinking and their own decision making abilities and recognize the skills that they hold themselves and that they can make a decision. They don't have to be told what the yeah. answer is. Well, I think that's a great leadership development tool too. You know, like you said, I mean, if you give it enough space, you know, maybe they'll come to you while you're still pondering and say, <laughs> Hey, how about this? And you're like, yeah, okay, good. Do it. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Um, okay. So if you could have coffee with anyone, who would it be and why? It would be my grandma. Your grandma. Uh, yes. The, you know, the, the woman that was my mother growing up, I would love to have coffee with her and let her know I, I, I did okay. Um, that what she taught me and, and what she um, demonstrated to me still to this day holds great value in my heart. And um, just, to, just to, to be that close to her again would yeah. be amazing. That's nice. Okay. Um, so tell us, I know you talked about being a mountain girl, but I don't know if, if your bucket list travel destination is the mountains, but um, where what's on your list of someplace that you have to get to? Uh, the Mediterranean. Ooh. So Italy and Greece, I, I would love to do, um, I would love to spend a couple of weeks just touring and experiencing that area. Chuck, my husband, his family is from Italy, and he wants to venture back to the area where they um, where they are. And uh, we both want to sit on the seaside and eat French seafood. Nice. So that's the top of the bucket list. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, where do you know where about in Italy his family is? Abruzzo and Lac. Lachlan, uh, I can't remember how to pronounce the other one. Is it like in middle Italy or southern or northern? It's, it's in the central part of Italy, um, towards the Mediterranean coast, along the mountain range. One side of his, all four of his ancestors, all four of the, the, the different families were all from those areas. Wow. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a neat opportunity, Abruzzo, Abruzzi, Abruzzi. Okay. and Abruzzi are the two regions, but um, it, it's exciting because I don't have that same level of family heritage. My family was not that tightly bound that I know where all four of my grandparents um, originated from. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a joy to be part of that with him and, and have that same energy to understand his family. We went to Italy on our honeymoon uh, oh. But we did the tourist spots. Okay, got it. So you want to do the family visit this time around? I want to do the family ones now. Nice. So does your husband by, by chance cook? Is he a good Italian cook? Oh, yeah. No? Oh, yeah. Oh. He cooks everything from scratch. And oh, he, he did dinner for the strategic planning session last week. He did? And uh, Oh, yeah. And he's, that's now his thing. It was homemade ravioli, meatballs, sauce, chocolate cake, 
homemade bread. Yeah. He makes For all 20. of it from scratch? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The That's holidays perfect. are fabulous. Well, that was worth moving to Houghton Lake for. <laughs> oh, yes, it was. <laughs> um, it's making me hungry. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, what is one trait or quality that you think every leader should strive for, Diane? Willingness. Willingness? Willingness, yes. Okay, flush I that out. Be, I find that to be all-encompassing. So willingness to listen, willingness to admit when you're wrong, um, willingness to take risks, all of those things, just being willing. And I, I, in my own past, I truly believe that's what's brought me to where I'm at, is my willingness to take those risks, to make those changes, to make those moves, to do all of those things to get me to where I am today. Doesn't mean everybody has to be willing to move, but right. um, the move might be small. You yeah. know, there might be a job posting and you, you're not sure if it's what you want, but being willing to, to check it out. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's an awesome answer. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Diane, for being on. It was great having you and getting to know you better. Um, I really appreciate your time. And hopefully you'll get some snow up there soon and get, you know, it'll stay nice and white for you, not get dirty. <laughs> you can enjoy a nice winter up there. It does. It takes a long time for it to melt. And it's really never dirty. So That's the grass awesome. is almost green when it, when it's all done. So <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks so much, Diane. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was such a great conversation. I had a ton of fun talking to Diane. I definitely want to go eat my lunch now, um, hearing about that fabulous food. Um, but more important than that, it was really fun to sit down with the CEO that understands how important collaborating is and getting out there and networking at industry events. And I loved hearing how she checked out the Michigan Credit Union League website when she was looking back for a job here in Michigan. And um, she's just a real dynamic person. And I've gotten to know her better because she she walks the talk and she's coming to those events and she's at the golf outings and she's navigating and, and getting to know um, other CEOs in our state and networking with them. And it's just been great to watch. And she's been a lot of fun to get to know. Um, she's, you know, running a great credit union up there in Bay City and waiting for that awesome white snow to fall in Houghton during our conversation. So thanks again, Diane, for joining me and being a part of our Michigan Credit Union community. So great to have you in our state and have you back. And I'm glad it's going to be your permanent home. So hopefully you'll make it back to Italy to check out those small towns where your husband is from. And I can see you there now sitting by the sea, eating your fresh seafood. I hope it happens for you real soon. Uh, thanks again for your time, Diane. And thanks to all the listeners. Thanks for checking out another episode. There's lots of great ones to choose from. So please scroll through the list of all of the um, options you have to hear from our great Michigan um, credit union community. So if you haven't followed the podcast, make sure you do so. So you will get an automatic alert when another episode drops and you'll be listening to this in January of 2023. So let me just say happy new year to all of our listeners. I hope it was a rocking new year's for you and that uh, this year brings you um, great health, happiness, and a lot of fun. Thanks so much for joining me and I will talk to you soon.